Okay, good evening. This is actually season three of the Struggling Believer podcast. Well, what's different in season three? Um, I would say it would still be spontaneous, but the main difference I think is that we are recording indoor. So indoors. So that would mean less noise and less. Um, yeah, it's, it's a more pleasant audio experience if you may and we will have or extend some effort on the editing maybe so that's what you would notice um in this episode so this is like an introductory episode and really what we want to establish is just the spontaneity of you know just thinking things through and a lot of my experiences recently have been about the this concept of god being the ultimate consciousness and i really like it so before we dive in let's start with prayer dear heavenly father thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity to record um indoors and I'm not sure how this, how long this can go, but let's just see what we can, you know, extract from our previous discussions about what it means to believe in you. And yeah, so let's just dive in and, you know, make you the leader of this whole thing. Thank you so much. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right. So there's this concept about God that um you know deals or or treats him as the ultimate consciousness um well i think that's already embedded in our you know in our in our subconscious minds i think we have already accepted that like a long time ago that yeah, yeah we are all of us human beings are conscious beings and that there is this ultimate consciousness in the person of God. And, you know, what just fascinates me is that for some people who have grown inside the church, inside the Seventh-day Adventist church, to be exact, um, they had this upbringing that wasn't very healthy. And their concept of God is quite vague. Um, even if even if the upbringing is quite healthy, I would say even in my own experience, um, I have just a, also I would say a vague picture of God. And really, um, mine was a positive experience, but uh, the friend of mine, a friend of mine had a undesirable, you know, experience as a child. And you know, for, for people like these, um, they find it really hard to grasp an authority figure such as God and attach to that loving kindness and characteristics that describe who God is. Because the authority figures in all of their experiences in childhood were pretty bad they have been dealt with a bad hand so i would say that um that pretty much shaped their understanding and their fear their fear of the existence of god so if you're new to this podcast or even just um the name the struggling believer here i'm i'm really interested in you know, um, dealing with God's existence. And not just that, um, not just believing God's existence, but also interacting with that God according to our belief about Him. So, um, the struggling believer caters to those who may have a not very nice picture of God. You know, and to those who also have grown, especially inside the Seventh-day Adventist church, um, because I am a Seventh-day Adventist, 
but I would say that um, you would not find many of these talks in mainstream churches because well the assumption is that we already believe in god every one of us believes in god but as children grow as they become teenagers or young adults they begin to entertain questions about reality and questions about god being real right because as they go through life they find that there are ultimate questions that are hard to answer yeah and as children as kids they might have already asked that before but they did not really get a satisfying answer and there's also the problem once again of families who do not represent the character of god and in families like that you see the name of jesus spoken you hear it but then the actions do not necessarily um, agree with the claim of a belief in jesus so there is that problem in so many families and the children of those families will have to struggle throughout life through their teenage life through their young adult life adolescent life and they will struggle through questions and they would start to entertain the opposite that god may not be real and if he's real then i don't like that kind of god because he is such a he is forcing me to do things that i don't want to do and he is such a you know he is always this guy all powerful and holding a whip in his hand and just waiting to punish me so these pictures of god are you know ugly right and that's not the that's not the case with jesus because if you have been you know exposed to the seven day adventist teaching you know of course that jesus one of the the purposes of why jesus came here on earth why he became human is for him to show the character of god and to vindicate that and you know there's a lot to talk about i've talked about so many of these things in season one and season two but i'm not sure if you really really you know i uh, enjoyed those because many of those did not have a very clear audio right but anyway we're just trying to to think again think out loud so that, that's the premise of this podcast is just we're thinking out loud right we're trying to just dive deep so 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 for many of you who have long been listeners to this you know that i can go you know i can repeat things but every single time there's always a revelation another face of that same thing another face of that same topic and so yeah so that's i think what what is offered here so anyway back to what we're talking about um yeah so, so many people many of these children raised within the seventh day adventist church have been experiencing a sort of cognitive dissonance where two things don't agree with each other with each other in their brains and they struggle with it because all their lives that's that's um i mean they, they've grown with these doctrines all their lives but then they they struggle to accept them with all of their hearts because it's fearful you know they think of the judgment as something that's really fearful they think of god as really a being who just punishes people who can't wait to um get you you know burned in hellfire right and i know those aren't, aren't true but those are the pictures that people are getting 
we may not be well aware of that. But I am personally acquainted with someone who that that's the messaging that you know they get, right? And I have been trying to uncover why. And I've found that most of these teachings have come from a family background that's not good, unhealthy. So the parents are, you know, um, one of the parents are really picture themselves as if they're, no, not one, but maybe I'm not very sure about all the details, but they're, the, the general idea is that they look good when they're inside the church, they speak good, they act good, but inside the house, they are, you know, they, they're really angry people. So they are, you could say maybe rageaholic. So they are driven by rage. And we understand also that they have issues. They have been dealing with their issues, but they're not healed from those issues. Um, what's sad is that all these things are passed on from the parents' generation to the next, to their children. And it's really hard because the example that they show, the, the difference between what they profess and the, what they actually show when no one is, no one is looking, just the children, the, the difference is so wide. And so the effect of that in the children may be different in different kinds of children, but in the long run, they would, many of them would struggle to believe in God because all they see, all in their experiences, point to an authority figure who cannot be trusted and who cannot, who's just rageaholic too, right? Because the authority figure that they have been acquainted with as a child, their parents, they were rageaholics. So they associate that inside their brains. They may not be aware of it, but they associate that with God. Because it actually is hard for us to grasp the idea of God. Because we are finite beings, after all. And it's hard for us to grasp the omniscient, the all-knowing, because we know that our knowledge is very little compared to all the vast um, resources, resources of knowledge there is in the world. And... It's also hard for us to grasp someone so powerful and it's so good because especially in children who have been in abusive families, dysfunctional families, what they've seen are powerful people, yes, but they're not good. They haven't experienced powerful people that are good. They may, but they're distant, not in their family. And many of our pictures of God is family, as father, for example. And that's really hard for children who have been abused to grasp that. Because they, their association of the word father initially is with their own father who could be abusive. And to attach that to God is hard for them. Because, you know, that really, just really, really... Um, puts them in a struggle because if their father is just limited and is finite but f powerful still and could do these bad things to them how much more could an all-powerful God hurt them and so we know that these are all these are all products of the great controversy the devil's agenda and his great experiment of with sin right 
And so part of the plan is to destroy God's character in the minds of people. And, you know, God is not really like that, but it's just hard for people to grasp because they have no example. And the example they had with authority figures in the past, especially in their childhood, were pretty bad. They've been dealt with a bad hand. So for us who know better, when we approach these people, these people who are struggling, they're not necessarily atheistic. Because if you think about it, their picture of God, the God that they don't believe in, isn't the God that we believe in. So we could say, as a matter of fact, that we are also atheists of the God that they don't believe in, right? We are both atheists to that God, us and these people who are struggling to believe in God. Because the, the picture of God in their minds is not really the God who exists, right? And so we, we have this responsibility to actually show them Show the, these struggling believers. I would say these are still, you know, these are people, these people are searching. Because God works in mysterious ways anyway. And he wants to reach out to these people. But the thing with God, the real God, the true God of the universe, our creator, is that he's gentle. He's not intrusive. He's not going to force his way into us. He knocks. He's a gentleman, right? So, you know, God is working his way to reaching to these people. But often his efforts are, you know, are... I'm, I'm losing the word, but we are getting in the way. You could say that. We are getting in the way of God trying to reach out to these people. We are getting in the way by showing them the opposite of God's character by forcing these people to come back to God. Because in the first place, their picture of God is wrong. I mean, how could they, in their right minds, decide to come back to God if, in the first place, their picture of that God is ugly? They wouldn't want that. They would not want that. Okay? What we need to present to them, to show them, is who God really is. And, you know, the best way to persuade people that God actually exists and that he's good and that he transforms lives, the best way to, to say that, to show that to other people, is to be transformed by God himself. You know, an inner change of heart. That's the biggest evidence that God actually exists and that he's actually good and that he actually transforms lives, right? And that we can be friends with these people even if they don't have the same beliefs as we do. Not yet, okay? Yeah, it's about... Yeah, exactly. Um, I have. I just have these moments where... I laugh like this <laughs> because um, it's th those are times when I realize something that's really simple but profound. I mean, yeah, profound. Meaning, it's it's really simple, but it's deep and it's uh, it's the truth, right? So you know, you see, you see all that, and I was going with this um, because of the consciousness thing. Because those people who have who have already dismissed their their um, belief in God, I mean that God that they've grown up with, the kind of picture that they have painted in their minds, that people around them have painted in their minds, that kind of ugly God, that satir uh, that that um, tyrannical God that God who always is ready to punish is always angry, right? That picture, once these people 
dismiss and bury that picture okay um they don't just it doesn't fade away very quickly um they would still be seekers i found okay that's what i found later on and i think this is a god thing i mean i mean this is god's way of working his way through and to reach the person but in an unobtrusive way okay this is one of god's mysterious ways he reaches out to the person very gently and uh, you know maybe prompts him or her to ask questions like um what is life what is life right what is life and what's the meaning of life what is it to live um where do i come from what's the meaning and purpose of life is there any meaning and, and purpose of life at all why am i here right and where would i go after this after i die and these questions are the ultimate questions in life you know once you go once you go deep down and you you know once you go into the bottom for example of an experience you've been through a lot and you're so sad and you just want to throw away all the bad things you just want to throw away all the bad things that you've experienced you want to bury that in the past you start asking questions after that you start asking questions you start really thinking things through digging deep diving deep right and you come to these ultimate questions about the meaning and purpose of life and you come to also examine your own existence do i exist what is my existence for right those questions and what is this body for can i exist without this body why am i thinking right all these things are parts are, i mean are parts of a set called the ultimate questions in life and you know for some of these people they get very interesting very interesting ideas and in their seeking they would come across with certain concepts from ancient philosophers from other belief systems and then we come to an understanding that they would come to an understanding that here's at least one very interesting understanding that there is an ultimate consciousness right and that we are part we are somehow part of that consciousness and this is by the way very interesting to me too because this is related to quantum physics i will tell you more about that later so anyway um yeah that we are all like sort of parts of these this i mean this big thing this big consciousness and it's really interesting because they might still struggle to accept that that is god because again their concept of god is very murky and really the, their picture is an ugly picture the picture of the god uh the picture of god in their heads is quite so so ugly and so they struggle to associate that term god into this so people put other names for it some people just name it the universe so they would they can accept that it's impersonal they still can't accept that it's personal far from that so some people would call it the universe some people would maybe just look at nature and that's it it's nature some people would look at this as the ultimate consciousness as i would say or the logos in ancient philosophy the logos is interestingly what already what greeks have already believed in 
which is why John, the disciple, the beloved of Jesus Christ, used that word, logos, when he said, in the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him is light. And in him was life, yes. And the life was the light of men. So, and, and the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And you know this is taken from John chapter 1. And the word, the English word for this translated is word. But, you know, it's not enough. It's not enough to describe the Logos. The Logos is some kind of force, actually. And it's the one that rules everything. That, you know, determines the consequences of choices. So there's system in it. There's wisdom in it. And also, interestingly, ancient philosophers believed that the Logos brings out the good, always brings out the good from any bad situation. And that's very interesting too. We can dive deep into that later. But to me, at least for people who've come across these searching these texts, these manuscripts, these letters, these writings from people, philosophers, ancient philosophers, people who are now quote-unquote unbelievers who've left the church, when they come across these teachings, they find it so attractive and so interesting because as I've said, they're seeking now, right? After they've dismissed their past ideas about God and the ugly picture of that God, now they're seeking. There's a time of a pause, but then they're seeking afterwards. And so when they come across these texts, what's very interesting is that they are attracted to it. And voila, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, these these descriptions of the ultimate being or whatever because some people can't yet grasp that this is a being but the ultimate ultimate thing okay this ultimate power and force and pervading power whatsoever this thing the logos people would say the greeks would say this thing is attractive it's attractive. It's not fearful. It is attractive. It is attractive. And and what interests me the most is that that's that's my picture of God. That has been my picture of God. He's not really he's my friend. Yeah, he is actually my friend. That has been my picture as a child. And what's very interesting also to me is that I had a fairly positive childhood, I would say. My nanay, my lola, I'm from the Philippines, by the way, if you don't know. And I'm from the southern par part of the Philippines. So, yeah. <laughs> my nanay is very, very, very kind. She takes care of us, siblings, and, you know, the classic Filipino setup in families is that you stay, I mean, there's a father, there's a mother, there's children, the children um, become adults, they marry, they stay in the same house, and they grow, and they grow bigger. So, basically, that's why you would say, you would see grandchildren living with their grandparents extended family that's what we call it so so i was raised 
with my lola, my nanay. My, I was born uh, in 1990. And well, at that time, my grandfather has already passed away, um, father's side. So we lived with um, my papa's um, nanay. Okay. So there was kindness all around me. People were kind. My parents were kind. They were kind. And so I had a fairly positive childhood experience, I would say. So I have, I would maybe reveal that later and share that later, but I have also had, you know, struggles. But we will, that's a topic for another time. But it's, it was fairly positive, I would say. And I have a really positive picture of God, albeit not perfect too because my primary my primary understanding of god not really understanding it's not the whole thing but he's a friend you know to be honest i can't it's hard for me to relate to god as a father it's hard for me but i can relate to him as a friend but he's a really cool friend you know and he's really powerful and he can do everything he, he, he's God to me, really that kind of God. And I can ask him what I want. I can, I would also thank him, but we always would have an exchange. So our, our dealing would be business-like. I, I know nothing much about business back then as a child, but that's how I dealt with God. I mean, because, <laughs> okay, I'll just reveal this, but I've always asked, since I experienced it, um, I've always asked God to keep me in the top one. And he answered every single time, and, um, but I, of course, would show him, and I mean, I would tell him that, okay, um, I'm gonna keep your Sabbath, but but not really in that sense, because I'm not not so much in the business sense. But there's that you know there's that uh, picture, that side picture of a business sense, if you know what I mean. That I would I would be faithful. I would not ask. I mean I would not attend classes on the Sabbath, because elementary school back then had activities on the Sabbath. But I would not. And sometimes there are maybe special classes I, I could. Um, I can't exactly remember. I couldn't exactly remember what that was. But there were activities on the Sabbath and I would not join. Really. And there were exams also. Entrance exams on. Um, entrance exam. Entrance exams for high school. All right. That fell on the Sabbath. But I would not. And it's fine with me. It's a missed opportunity. It's fine with me. Graduation in elementary school is supposed to be on the Sabbath. It's supposed to be on Saturday, but I would not. And I was valedictorian, so I could, they could not miss that without me. So they changed that. I, I mean, I'm sharing this because, yeah, I want to present my side of god too the transactional part yes so we um i talk to god in my head even if i don't kneel down or fold my hands i always talk to him in my head i would ask him for help in my exams ask him for help about anything maybe i got that maybe i got that largely in part from my grandmother, my nanai, because she was this kind, really kind woman and faithful too in the church. She's been trusted by other church members because she's been the treasurer, the trusted treasurer for so long. And I think I'm, I was really, really close to her because um, she helped me with my assignments at school. She would prepare food for us, snacks. Um, in the afternoon when we come home from school and she would uh, 
she would make clothes for me. Yeah. She had the sewing machine. So she was really, really kind. And I would, I could see her studying her Bible and her devotional book. And her devotional book always had notes in red ball pen. So you see, that, that really inspired me. And th this woman is really, really kind. And so, so maybe my picture of God as someone, you know, someone who is an authority figure, yes. But, you can, but this God can also be my friend. And because, yeah, as I mentioned, maybe I got that from my grandmother's relationship with God. So again, I'm sharing that part of my story because, you see, that was really interesting. That is super duper interesting. I had that fairly positive picture of God because of a fairly positive picture of God in my childhood represented by the people surrounding me. Yes. So, and yeah, this is important too. My parents were the same in church as they are at home. They are just transparent. So, that is so amazing. There's no really cognitive dissonance right there. It was consistent. Everything was consistent. So, and I couldn't recall them arguing with words I mean shouting no no nothing no shouting at all and some people would tell stories about how when husband and wife fight they would slam dishes to each other nothing like that at home it's so so peaceful at home well, we have, well, we ha I mean, us siblings, we fight over who's going to do the dishes, right? So, yeah, but those are childish fights. Our parents really did not fight like others, other parents. So, again, that helped me paint a picture of God in my head. I got it so good. It was easier for me compared to other people and that's really fascinating i forgot actually at this point why i was talking about that but to go back to what we were talking about we were talking about this um yeah th this attractiveness the the attractiveness the attractiveness of the god or of or the, at least the all-pervading force that rules the universe, according to what the ancient philosophers have discovered, they are painting a beautiful picture of this all-powerful being, or whatever. Um, and that, and that's more attractive. That turned out to be more attractive to those people who are now unbelievers and what fascinates me is that even if the means to them grasping grasping the truth gradually about the ultimate being even if that process went through non-religious texts, it works. It works. And you know what? There's a key lesson here. Um, some of those who are hurting from church, um, they may just need to take a break. And if we were still believers approach them in a very ungodly manner meaning to say we her approach is more satanic than those outside of the church if that's 
how we approach these people, they're gonna feel the hostility. They would not be attracted at all. What they would be attracted to is the embodiment of the character, the God we claim to believe in. That's it. We need to show them self-giving love. And yes, that is who God is. God is love. His nature, his law, his way of life is love. And what is love? It's self-giving It's putting others first before your own interests and not necessarily, of course, not neglecting your interests, but that everyone is equal, right? And you don't step onto others. Love is patient. Love is kind. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures. Love never fails. It doesn't boast. It's not proud at all. It does not rejoice in falsehood. It rejoices in the truth. And that is one crucial thing. If people who used to be inside the church have left the church, most likely... Most likely, they have seen inconsistency. They have seen lies. People pretending to be holy. I mean, I mean, in the outside, outward behavior. Pretending to be really good people, nice people. But inside their homes are the total opposite. Most likely, the people who've left the church have encountered all these lies the opposite of love because love rejoices in the truth there is no there is no pretension at all yes what they need to see what these people need to see is god's character imprinted into the heart of us believers And you know what? We cannot just act like it. We cannot fake it till we make it. Because this thing right here starts with hard work. It starts within the heart. It starts within the heart. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, whoever you are listening to this. It's hard work. Heart work. And so, if we want to reach these people, then we must really take the, these things to heart. We must examine ourselves. What is our characterization of God? In our heads, in our minds, in our hearts, what is God like? What are the things that we believe about God that aren't really true? Because... You know what? What we believe in that manifests in our actions, in our words, in our dealings with people. If we force people, if we force people, that's not it. We may have a picture of God that's not true in our heads. Right? If we push people, push their fear button just to get them back. That's not, that's not it. Because God did not want fear to be the motivating factor for people, for the angels to remain loyal to him. Right? Because if that was the case, then he would have destroyed Lucifer right then and there. Right? But he doesn't want that because he doesn't want the angels to choose him just because they fear the punishment. 
No, 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 no. That is so far from who God is. And if we are compelled, if we are compelled to try to force someone to get back inside the church, that's not God's way at all. And what that means is that if that's our inclination, we may have something deep within us, deep inside us, deep within our minds that we believe in about God. And that belief is not true. Is not true. We may have an underlying belief in a God who wants control. But that's not true. Of all things, God doesn't want control. Because he is love and love does not control. Love does not force. It gives freedom. It gives freedom. And freedom to choose because God does not want to be chosen just because of the fear of the punishment or for the expectation of the reward no he wants us to choose his principles because we have proven for ourselves and we have seen for ourselves that that's the right thing that's what he wants he wants us to have that informed decision to choose his way or the other way. He wants us to see for ourselves why sin is not worth it. He wants us to see for ourselves why love is the way. The law is love, right? God's law, God's love is the way. And so... This has been, I think, a very enriching episode. I did not really time myself about this. But right now, I mean, recording this. So right now, we are at 47 minutes. And I thank you for listening. Um, yeah, this far. You know, if you have, you felt blessed by this, feel free to share. Absolutely, because I want you to be able to to think through all these things too. Because we may be dealing with people around us in ways that, you know, that do not really reflect God's character. And we may be the hindrance, the hindrance to these people's understanding of the true God. And so as we close, let's all reflect on what these all imply. We started off with consciousness and the idea that about God. And we close with, yeah, God, God is like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we are still, as finite beings, and even in eternity, we, were, we are still going to try to grasp God. What we know of Him best right now, we can just describe Him as the ultimate consciousness, yes. But beyond that, He's actually attractive because He makes beautiful out of all the bad things. That's how Logos is described. And, you know, if we just approach things with respect, approach people with respect, approach people the way God would approach them, the way Jesus would approach them. And in, at some, in some episode, we will also talk about the, the ugly pictures of Jesus that we paint in our kids' minds. Yeah. You know, if we just approach people the way the true God approaches people, they'd be attracted to. They don't need forcing. They don't need persuasion in terms of words. They'll be magnetized by the beautiful character of God. That's what we really, really want, right? That's what we really want. That, that is what God wants to do that you know the truth itself would 
prove itself. Yeah. Love itself. Love will prove itself. Yeah. And sin would destroy itself. Yes. So um, let's close this with a prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for all the surprising thoughts that you have given us tonight. The surprising, yeah, many of those things are surprising to me because we were just, just diving deep and just thinking out loud. And yeah, we have gained insights along the way because of you. Thank you. And whoever is listening to this, may they be blessed. Really. And may this, may the audio come out good. And yeah, we will just follow your leading in all of these things. Thank you so much for everything. May this be a blessing. And may you, the true you, be glorified in everything. Because you're worth it. Not because you're... Not because you're a power-hungry or a glory or or a worship-hungry God, no. But because, yeah, we feel like it. We feel like doing it. I mean, we are attracted to actually praising you and thanking you because you are just awesome. And you don't need to know that because you know that already. But you don't brag about it. Right? You're just being you. And that's so awesome. And, you know... Us acknowledging that awesomeness of yours helps our own experience and helps us grasp more how truly amazing you are as our God, how dependable you are. And so thank you so much for everything. And we close this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.